0: Significant for somebody great. out there, yeah, it's fantastic. Happy day. June twenty ninth.
1: It's my favorite. Yeah, it's my favorite June twenty ninth of the day. Who yeah, are there
0: thirty or thirty one days in June? Thirty, I'm pretty sure. Thirty, yeah, thirty days has September. Yeah, yep, yeah, you're right. Um, yeah, so we are back with another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast, and that was your most tame entrance that you've made to date on the podcast. I think.
1: No, I've had a pretty. I had a few that were pretty tame. I just chose. You know, I, I want to leave everybody surprised when they hear me. Well, yesterday it
0: was yeehaw.
1: <laughs> and so it was just, hey, everybody. <laughs> I'm sorry I'm not predictable, Pastor uh, PJ. Welcome to our podcast where Pastor Rod's greetings are schizophrenic. They're not schizophrenic. They're just, they're, they're, they're fun. They're spontaneous. Dude. Well, they're, they're a little plant, so they're not entirely spontaneous. They're serendipitous, for you anyway. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Serendipitous. That's a big word. Can you define that for us? Uh, surprising, delightful. In, a, in a, a, a delightfully positive way, perhaps. Okay, I'll, that's my best shot without looking up Webster right in front of
0: me. I'll give it to you. So, Job would not be very serendipitous. Oh, I like would
1: that be hard pressed to say so.
0: Yeah, yeah, I i would agree with you on that. Yeah, we're we're back in Job, and uh and then Acts chapter nine. Exciting things going on in Acts chapter nine, and just more suffering in Job. So. Uh, bear with us though, because it's going to be worth it in the end. I promise you When, when we see what God's doing through all this, just stick with us. And again, be encouraged because this is a glimpse into the reality of God's people that, that people suffer and even godly people remember God's commendation of Job at the very beginning of the book. There's no one else like him. He is blameless and upright, right? And yet here we see him just wearing it, And he is honest about how difficult and hard this is. So if you think that somehow being a Christian means that we always walk around with a slap happy grin on our face thinking that everything's fine, or you think somehow that being a Christian means that there's never any suffering in your life, this book should be an encouragement to you if you're going through it right now. If you're going through it right now going, man did I do something wrong? Did I get it wrong? Did I not? Am I am I not following the same Christianity that everybody else that seems to be okay is following? No, sometimes people suffer and godly people suffer and Job is such a good example of of what that looks like. We get the curtain pulled back on this guy and we kind of get to, to read his innermost thoughts through the, the interaction with him and his friends and see where he's at and he's just hurting. And that's true in chapter 16 as he begins to respond to Eliphaz who again has just come hard at him. And, uh, and he, he opens again with, with an indictment of them. He says, miserable comforters. Are you all, um, you just, you if you're trying to comfort me, you're really bad at what you're doing. And then he says in verse four, I, I could also speak as you do if you were in my place. In other words, will you just put yourself in my shoes for a second? I mean, that's something that I need to remember so often. I can be so quick to, to make a snap judgment on somebody's circumstances or situation in life without stopping and going, okay, what would it be like to be where
1: they're at right now? And that could be such a helpful thing for us as we try to comfort someone. Yeah, and if I could just draw a quick connection for us all. Um, someone brought this up to my attention recently. I can't remember who, so if this is you, please forgive me for not recalling. But I thought about this in terms of when when we as fathers or as mothers or just, I mean, people that are older than the younger people, when we're trying to correct our kids, you know, we've got several years above them. We've mm-hmm. got a lifetime more than what they have. Mm-hmm. Uh, experience, training, discipline, you might forget what it was like to be their age and to know the struggle that it is. You know, you, you, you see a, a kid fall on their knee and start crying and you're like, come on, man up, it's fine. Get Get up, dust yourself off, you're gonna be okay. But do you remember what it was like when you were their age when you fall and there's that sense of pain and sorrow and you, you've been accustomed to pain, you've grown some good and godly calluses, but you don't know what it's like for them. So I think there's something helpful for us here as parents, even just to say, okay, put myself back in the minds of my teenagers, of my kids, when they suffer and they struggle, what was it like for me then? What did, I, what did I really need? Did I Did I need someone to tell me just to toughen up? And maybe that was the case partially, but maybe I also needed some empathy and some encouragement and some help that doesn't look like me standing over you and say, you should do better, but the kind of encouragement and help that Joe was looking for here. Empathize with me. Help me. Put your arm around me and, and, and don't just wag your finger at me. Give me some love and support. For sure. Yeah. So not cry your river, build your bridge and get over it. Yeah. I've heard that once or twice before. Yeah. But yeah. maybe that's not the best approach all the time, right? And and,
0: and yet there's a, a a balance. The older we get, right? Because some people say, "I just need to feel my feelings right now." <laughs> I don't think that's helpful either.
1: Well, we're talking about kids,
0: but yes, uh, well, no, totally. I'm I'm saying now as we think about as we do mature and as we do grow older, right. and I do think there's a place for like a okay, let's 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 let's, let's make progress here, right? Right. Um, we don't want to just sit in it. Either as 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 adults, that is, oh, absolutely. We we need somebody to help us move forward, and if we're to believe the best, as uh, we would want to exercise that First Corinthians thirteen kind of love, I I I think that's what Job's friends are trying to help him do, but they're just not doing a very good job of of it. Miserable comforters are you all? I could speak as you do if you were in my place. Absolutely, I could. In fact, Job says. If, if you were in my place, I'd be better than you guys are. Verse five, he says, I, I would strengthen you with my mouth. I would, uh, the solace of my lips would assuage your pain. I, instead, that's not what's happening at all. He goes on and, and talks more about what God has done. Verse nine, he's torn me in his wrath. He's hated me. He's gnashed his teeth at me. My adversary sharpens his eyes against me. And then this was something that jumped out to me. Verse 10, Men have have gaped at me with their mouth. Job used to be held in honor in this culture, in this society, and now men are literally just slackjawed. Adam, they're, they're they're amazed at at what's going on, and then they've struck me insolently on the cheek. So he's suffering. It seems here physical abuse. Now it's it's possible this is a metaphor for the verbal attacks of his friends. Mm-hmm. Or it, it, Job is literally being abused by, by people as they're passing by and scoffing at him in his circumstances. Somebody even said this could be a result of the, the Sabaeans and the Chaldeans, the ones that attacked his, his servants and his children, mm. that, that this could be a, an, an example of the fact that he's still in, in kind of this battle zone with these raiding parties that are coming in, but he's even suffering physically from people that are are, are beating, him, beating on him as they're walking by. Um, the contrast in verse 12 i used to be at ease and and yet god broke me apart he seized me by the neck and dashed me to pieces he set me up as his target wow job's just saying god's just literally shooting his at his his arrows at me his archers surround me he runs upon me like a warrior verse 14. my face is red with weeping i think sometimes I, i'm reading this and thinking about a guy with his his typewriter or, or his pen and paper no job is just wrecked right now he physically if you've seen somebody just go through it and through the the, the direst of situations their, their appearance shows it and job certainly not just with the boils and the and things like that but just his face is going to be puffy and swollen because he's been weeping and he's been crying out and there's emotion contained in this And then there's the the statement of verse 19, though, and and we talked in the last podcast about the ups and downs here, and he makes this somewhat enigmatic statement in verse 19. He says, even now, behold, my witness is in heaven, and he who testifies for me is on high. And the question is, who's the witness? Who is it? And the answer is, we don't know. I mean... Honestly, we can speculate about it. In Job 19.25, he's going to make this amazing statement. In the midst of all this, he's going to say, yet I know my Redeemer lives, right? And your Bibles are going to have Redeemer capitalized. And and so we sing that song, right? Or I can't remember who sang that song back in the day. It was a female. The song's playing in my head. for Probably he'll Probably not. Um, but he makes this statement. And, and in our minds, we go to, well, that's Jesus. And and yes, but Job didn't Did Job think know about Jesus, Jesus at, in that regard. So yeah. when we read, even now, my witness is in heaven. It, 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 I mean, I think the safest position is he's saying somebody is before the council of God that's going to bear. A witness for me that's going to intercede for me and plead my innocence and testify for me on high and as christians we do run to the fact that that's jesus right hebrews 7 who always lives to make intercession for us that's who's right. able to save to the uttermost he is our witness in heaven he is testifying on on our behalf but not on our righteousness not on our merit but his merit for us and so in in Job. 1619 again another gospel boom there we're, we're, we're thinking forward to the fact that this is going to be realized in the person of christ now job didn't have that hope but he has some hope at this point that somebody is up there
1: that's going to testify and has on his behalf before god so should we understand this then as jesus as we read this through is it possible that job writes this or whoever wrote the book of job is it possible they wrote this not knowing that it was about jesus but a verse that we should say this is about jesus <laughs> Absolutely. I think it's possible. Even
0: in John's gospel, right? You think of John the Baptist when he first sees Jesus, he says, behold, the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. John the Baptist had no clue what that was going to look like at that time. Mm -hmm. He, as we would, uh, we would say, and this happens often in scripture, he spoke better than he understood um, that, that, that John was saying something true about Jesus, but John didn't understand that later john's going to say hey go find out from jesus why am i sitting in jail and he's not being the messiah i thought he was going to be right Mm -hmm. so so john clearly didn't understand that the cross was in view there and and so it's possible here in job it's the same thing
1: that job is speaking better than he understood at the time and that this is christ so we can still be within the realm of authorial intent when we understand the scripture if we understand that the ultimate author of scripture is the spirit himself totally
0: yep Yeah. Yeah. yeah Great way to put it. Uh, Verse 17, he is just continuing to bemoan the the hopeless state that he's he's in there. Uh, But verses three through five are interesting in light of what we just talked about. He says, lay down a pledge for me with you. Who is there who will put up security for me? Since you have closed their hearts to understanding, therefore you will not let them triumph. Jo- Job is asking God again to vindicate him. He's like, will somebody put up security for me? Will somebody pledge on my account, on my behalf before you? Uh, um, and it's it's just not happening. I- I- verse six, he has made me a byword of the peoples. That's an interesting concept, a byword. Uh, he's a cuss it? word. Yeah, he's a cuss word he's a cuss word. He's a, he's a negative proverb. It's like the the, the parents are looking at their kids going, you be careful. You eat your peas or else you're going to end up like Job. You don't (laughs) want to be like Job. Do you? Job is just associated with shame and disgrace and dishonor here. Mm -hmm. Um, my eye has grown dim from vexation. All my members are like a shadow. The upright are appalled at this. People are just recoiling from Job as they see him in his circumstances. there. um, And then verse 15, where then is my hope? Who will see my hope? Job is just despairing right now again. Uh, And so again, the up and the down. Verse 19 of chapter 16, he's going, hey, somebody's in heaven. They're going to testify for me. Verses three through five of chapter 17, can I get a pledge on my behalf? Uh, Verse six and following, man, my life is miserable. My life is miserable. And so the ups and the downs. Well, we get the shortest man in the Bible come back and, and... chapter 18 again bill dad the shoe height shows up and uh he he wants to defend himself a little bit and his friends there how long are you gonna hunt for words why are we counted as cattle as cow you think we're cows (laughs) stupid cattle right which they're the longhorns that we pass by on the way to all the time all the time (laughs) yeah and it's like they're just out there just chewing on grass killing
1: it's like they're kind of dumb it looks like they seem pretty dumb yeah um, why are we stupid in your sight? That's a fair question. Yeah, <laughs> that is a fair question. Job has not been very complimentary
0: toward their wisdom. That's true. That's true. He's he's defensive, they're defensive, and when everybody's defensive, it's, it's pretty offensive. Oof. Yeah. Did you like that one? I did. It was on the fly. I didn't even plan that. It just wow. came out. You're just like a preacher. There we go. Um, yeah, and, and he's just, I'd like to, to give new insight here. And, and again, there's some things that are, 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 truthful in here. Like we've been talking about there, there's truth contained in here, but again, he's just simply saying God is acting the way that God acts with the wicked. That's kind of the summation of what Bildad is saying here. He is doing what he does. Uh, and what happens to the wicked is what's supposed to happen to the wicked. Um, and that's, that's again, just not encouraging to a guy that's suffering the way that Job is suffering.
1: So here's an application question, Pastor PJ. If you have someone who's really, su- so they're in the hospital, they're really suffering, and the doctors are like, hey, man, I, we don't know if they're going to make it through this thing, um, but we can help them to pass quickly and easily. Is there a place for palliative care for Christians? Or, or should we follow the example of Job and just bear under and say, no, let me, let me just keep suffering until God takes my life? Is it ever okay in your mind to pursue... Um, what do they call it? I don't want to call it assisted suicide because this is not kind of what I'm talking about. Uh, but when there's a time to call it and say, okay, yeah, we, we've given it everything we got. Is there a time for us to let go and to let the doctor say, all right, we're going to, we're going to pull the plug on the machine. We're going to give them the medicine to make them feel better as they prepare to leave. What would you say about this? Yeah,
0: I, I do think there's, there's the opportunity to, um, administer palliative care or to, to make someone comfortable as they are dying, we don't ever want to be the the cause of death, right? right. So if somebody has the ability to continue to live and continue to have their, their organs operate, function, their cognitive abilities are there, yeah, we, we don't want to ever... Bring death about when when God is not bringing death about, but there are those situations wherein it's very clear that nothing more can be done, and in those situations, whereas we might not tell somebody who you know broke their arm, oh, you know what, take some whiskey and, uh, and and you'll you'll be good, you know, the, your arm won't hurt as much. We we're not going to say that, but to somebody who's who's in pain because cancer is ravaging their body, can they? be put on morphine to to eliminate the pain even though that morphine is going to have horrendous side effects on their you know ability to, to process thought and everything mm-hmm. else toward the end of their life yes it's a mercy that god has given towards the end of of life and end of life care and i was just searching for the scripture and forgive me i couldn't find it right off the top of my head but it's a biblical principle even that's commended in scripture uh to give strong drink to to one who to those is who are perishing yeah, yeah to those who are perishing mm-hmm. um that 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 is something that is right and good, and, and the Bible even commends as as okay. I, Job is is not dying here, but the principle of can we comfort somebody with our words? Maybe in, in in regards to somebody who's suffering as much as Job is suffering. Yeah, I think I think we can draw that application principle here, but, uh, but yeah, if you've got a loved one or maybe you're, you're in that situation right now, I I pray not, but maybe you are. Um, and you're wondering, is it okay for palliative care to be administered? Can I use drugs? Can, can we even use strong drink in some circumstances? Mm. The, the Bible would say, yes, yes, that's, that's okay. In those situations.
1: Thanks for answering that. That's helpful.
0: Yeah. Well, let's jump over to Acts chapter nine, Acts chapter nine, we get into the conversion of, dun 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 Saul Ooh. yeah last we saw Saul uh, last time on <laughs> the Daily Bible Podcast no last time we saw Saul Saul was ravaging you remember that word it, it only happens one time in scripture he was ravaging the church he was imprisoning believers and uh, at, at, at best at best he is splitting up families right who are following Jesus and sending Christians to jail to potentially be executed for their faith at, at worst he's one of the ones doing the, the physical acts of, of execution here. Oof. But we, we find him, verse nine, chapter nine, verse one is still, just, it, it's so powerful the way that it's put. Still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord went to the high priest. He hates the Christians here. Absolutely hates him with everything that he is breathing threats and murder goes and and asks for letters letters for the the synagogues at Damascus so that he has the authority. Basically, he's looking for arrest warrants from the Jewish Sanhedrin there to go and arrest uh, Christians, anyone he finds belonging to the way. Remember, at this point in time, they're not known as Christians. That's later on in the book of Acts that they get that moniker. So they are belonging to the way. And, uh, and he wants to arrest them and imprison them. And he goes and we see the situation where this light comes and this voice happens and he falls off his, his steed, his horse, his donkey that he's riding on there. Um, and he hits the ground and the, the voice comes and it says, uh, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And that's such an amazing statement there. And it shows the connection between Christ and his bride, right? I mean, Pastor Rod, you and I are both married. And I, I know for a fact, if somebody went after my wife, i would take it pretty personally right it'd be as though they were coming after me right right and even on a grander scale than that as hard as that is to imagine that's the way that christ feels about his church about the bride and and so as saul is persecuting the church he's actually persecuting the bridegroom of the bride he's persecuting christ why are you persecuting me and saul asks that question who are you lord and he doubles down he says i am jesus whom you are persecuting and it, I, you just wonder what's going on in the white space in the text there,
1: mm. you,
0: right? With Saul, just the, the, the terror that he must have experienced in that moment going, this is it. I'm done. I'm, I'm dead. And, and justice would have been for would Saul have, to be would have demanded that dead right, right then and there. Mm-hmm. The, there's nothing that, that Saul had about him that would have merited what happens to him, but in his grace and in his mercy, in, in those two words right there, right? How do we think about those? Grace is getting what we don't deserve. Mercy is not getting what we do deserve. Right. And we see both here. Jesus is merciful to Saul and not killing him. Saul deserved death right then and there. And in fact, even the fact that that Jesus speaks to Saul is an act of mercy. He could have just stopped his heart right away, but he engaged him. And then the grace is what he does from here. And he instructs him to go to this house, to this guy named Ananias. And there's this funny scene there where where Ananias is prepped on this as well. It's like, hey, Ananias, here he comes. I'm gonna send a guy to you. I heard somebody recently talking about this passage, and, and they com- compared it to uh, you know, a, a Jew being told, hey, Hitler's going to come to your house, and you need to pray for Hitler, and, <laughs> and you know, he's, I'm going to use That's him for the, the kingdom. Because Ananias is like, what are, you th- what are you talking about? What are you thinking? Do, do, God, do you not know who this guy is? Um, and, and we would have been right there, too. right? It's easy for us to read that and go, Ananias, come on. He's going to write Philippians. And, and... Right. But no, it's we would have been there, too. And, uh, and yet God in his sovereignty, and, and that's what we see all throughout chapter nine. He just tells him, look, do this for me. I, I know who he is, but I've chosen him. He's my chosen instrument and he's going to take the gospel for me, um, to carry my name before the Gentiles and the Kings and the children of Israel. So we see here the even greater expansion of the gospel in view here with Saul's conversion. And then he says this interesting thing. I will show him how much he must suffer on account of my name. Oof. So this is not like a get out of jail free card for Saul. That there's so the contrary. Yeah, yeah. there's They're a going a, to jail because of this. Actually. Right, <laughs> right. There's a life of, of suffering that's going to happen here uh, in a massive way. Ananias shows up, prays for Saul. Which I, again, I, I just want to find out what was that interaction like. Um, the fear that Ananias probably still felt as he's laying his hands on this guy and praying for him, and then
1: he gets his sight back and he's like, "Oh no, now what is he going to do?" Well, he calls him brother Saul in verse seventeen. Uh, I, I catch know, that. I know. Yeah, I think he, uh, clearly. Ananias thinks he's a Christian at this point.
0: Yeah. Brother yet, Saul? I mean, come on. Yeah. And yet I, I wonder if he's choking on those words trying to get him out. Right? Yeah. Just the, the the difficulty there. Saul regains his sight and then he rises and is baptized and it says taking food, he was strengthened uh, from some days he was with the disciples at Damascus as it continues and he begins proclaiming Jesus immediately in the synagogues. He's like, the no son waiting. of God. No way. Right. He's just, just like, like, I want,
1: like, I get it. I'm th- on it.
0: All right, let's go. Let's do this. <laughs> that would have been a funny scene to see too as they're recognizing Saul come up. They're like, oh, hey, Saul!" like the Jews are calling him brother Saul. Yeah, after yeah. I called come to the synagogue and then he starts telling them and they're going what spit in flames. What <sighs> what happened? Um, yeah. And uh, it says in verse 22, Saul increased all the more in strength and confounded the Jews who lived in Damascus by proving that Jesus was the Christ. I like
1: that one, by proving it. Yeah. He was open up scripture and he was teaching people all about why Jesus was the Messiah.
0: Right. Love that. Right. The, the conversion story of Saul is one I'm so grateful for, the way that God did this in his, his divine providence, because he takes a guy that had no right doing what Saul would end up doing for the church and uses him in, in one of the most powerful ways that God has ever used anyone. I mean, this is such a an encouraging message to us. Listen, if you've got a family member who has has cursed God and hates God, and every there there is hope still in the midst of the 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 vilest of. Of unbeliever. There's there's hope for somebody who has who seems beyond all hope, right? I, I love the way that that it's put in in the prophets when it, it says that God's arm is not too short that it cannot save right. his ear is not so dull that it cannot hear. I Remember, as a men's pastor, I would constantly have men come up to me and say, you know, Pastor PJ, my wife is not following Jesus. And I've, I've shared the gospel with her so many times and she's just she won't come around or my kids you know whatever the story is how many times how many times should i keep going and my response was always hey if if you've got today keep going yep keep keep praying keep wrestling for her soul keep keep pleading with the lord that he would save her or or your kids or whatever it may be and the reason why we can say that is because of stories like this with Saul if if god can redeem Saul's life and use Saul's life for the good that he uses it for he can redeem anybody's life and turn it around and use it for good and uh, and some of the most powerful witnesses out there are people just like Saul who are brand new Christians that are immediately like I want to go out and tell as many people I can about Jesus and what he's done for me which should cause us who have been Christians maybe you have for 5, 10, 15, 20, 30 years man we need the same zeal that Saul had here to go out and proclaim Jesus to as many people as we possibly can because
1: the story of our conversion is no less impactful and radical than it was when we were first saved. Amen. Keep praying for your lost loved ones fam. We know it's hard. We've got our own lost loved ones too, but you need to keep in mind that there's no one outside the reach of God's grace. All it takes is someone to prayerfully stand in the gap to intercede on their behalf and watch what God does.
0: Hey, we are grateful for you guys sticking with us. Last two episodes have been a little bit longer than our normal ones, but there's a lot here in the scriptures. One of and us we, is very long-winded. We love plumbing the depths of scripture. And yes, uh, we do. we're grateful that you guys tuned in to join us for another episode of the Daily Bible